Hello and welcome to the Yarniacs podcast. This is episode number 224, which we are recording on Thursday, July 30th, 2020. I'm Gail. And I'm Charlene. And August is almost here. It's only two days away. It's surreal. Hard to believe the year of 2020 is more than halfway done and it's yeah. either been the longest year or the shortest year. <laughs> I wonder if there's anyone anywhere who feels like it could have been the shortest year. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was trying to figure out a long yeah in terms of sheltering in place, but then again, short in terms of it does kind of feel like we blinked and it was March. So. Yeah, there's a strange fluidity to it. Yes. That's yes, for sure. That's exactly it, because yep. there's not much variance between what we're doing now and what we were doing in March. <laughs> yes. And the days, I don't know about you, but I often, more days than not, I wake up and have to figure out what day it is. When I, I do wake too. Up. Yeah. I it's do weird. too. Like, is this a work day or is this yeah, a weekend day? <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll lay there in bed and some days I've been totally wrong. And some days I just have to reach for the phone and look. <laughs> I just asked Mike, is it, what day is it? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, sad. So what are you wearing? I have been wearing my Farallon cardigan a lot, a lot, a lot. This July has been a cold July, let's say. It's been a July with a lot of fog for our coastal community. And the marine layer has been very, very thick every morning, usually lasting some... Well, we've had more days recently where it's just been all day foggy. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, so... Farallon is one of those cardigans that I can easily pull on. It's been sitting in my room in the pile of sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's one of my reached for sweaters this summer. Let's see. Farallon is a cardigan designed by Elizabeth Doherty. And I knit this one last summer. And Gail, maybe you'll remember, I really stalled out on it over the summer. And I didn't even finish this one until the fall. And then didn't wear it that much because it was very end of fall and it was starting to get colder. And so now I'm really having fun because it's like a new sweater for me. Yay! Yeah. And it's become pretty much a wardrobe staple. And one of the things I love about it is being able to toss it in the dryer to fluff it up and get rid of wrinkles because it's mostly linen. So it's really easy to just sprinkle on a little water, toss in the dryer on low, and in a couple minutes I have a nice, nicely refreshed linen sweater. <laughs> yeah, remind me please, what yarn did you use for that? It was a combination of two yarns from Shibui, their reed and their twig. Ah, oh, that's right. Yeah, one of them is a blend. Let's see, 46% linen, and then it's got some silk and 12% wool, and then their reed, which is 100% linen. So the sweater really is mostly linen. And that probably feels really good. 
yeah, lately and very, with our strange weather. Yes, and very dryer friendly. So how about you? What are you wearing? Well, I have been wearing my Blue Sands cardigan for basically the same reason you described for Farallon. It's been so chilly in the mornings and damp that I want something, but it's not necessarily cold, cold. So the Blue Sands cardigan I knit with lace weight held doubled with mohair silk lace. So it's a very lightweight sweater, but it's also very long. It's almost like a sweater coat and it has nice big sleeves. So it's kind of like wearing a bathrobe, (laughs) only with less weight to it. (laughs) Yep. So that's been my go-to wear-at-home sweater. And my work-from-home outfit or uniform. So today I actually have on joggers instead of pajama pants. (laughs) And I have on, picture the scene, a rainbow tie-dyed shirt. And my Blue Sands cardigan is stripes of pink, natural, and a bright blue. So I am just like so stylish at home. This is an outfit I would never go out in public. (laughs) But man, does it work from working from home during the pandemic. Definitely. Definitely. That's pretty funny. I can't go out in public lately. I just, I'm I'm ashamed to my own self. (laughs) So what have you been stocking? Stocking, you're going to be surprised because my stocking this week is three patterns None of which is a sweater. Really? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I think that... Never happens. It hardly ever happens, but I think it's indicative of the fact that I can't go out in public and wear my sweaters like I used to, just because I'm not going out in public that much. Yeah. So it, it's not a conscious choice. I didn't really consciously choose three. But when I looked through my pattern history of things that I had been looking at, that's what came up. So the first one is, well, it, this is wearable, but it's not a sweater. Two patterns by a designer named Lauren Riker. And I shared this one with Gail a while ago. And if you don't recognize the name, she was the winner on, I believe it was a one-time competition, a one-time knit design elimination challenge, kind of like Project Runway, that was called the Fiber Factor. And Fiber Factor was a web video-based series from Skissel. And some of the production quality on it was just terrible. So it, it ended up not being extremely watchable. Even the episodes that were of better quality than the others, it it wasn't very watchable. And there were a couple episodes that basically you couldn't even watch because the quality was not good enough to be something that you'd want to spend your time trying to watch. But anyway, Lauren Riker won this elimination series. I can't remember how many designers were in it, but every episode they eliminated somebody based on their entry for whatever the challenge topic was. And, you know, I 
Actually, I tried to find old episodes online, too, and I couldn't. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure what that says. Usually things remain somewhere online, but this Mm -hmm. I couldn't find. Maybe I just wasn't looking in the right place. I don't know. But anyway, Lauren Riker, when she was on the series, she was known for like her cutesy designs and she uses as her design name girly knits which is very accurate yes it (laughs) is yeah and she like if you look through her designs over the years she has often had uh bra type tops tank tops and from way back when she started designing years years ago maybe almost 10 years ago she had shorts as some of her earliest designs and one of the designs that i'm looking at this week she has two new ones that she just released this july one of them is a pair of shorts and one of them is a pair of leggings the pants are called ombre all day and i don't know why they're called ombre all day they're made in a self-striping acrylic worsted weight yarn So they're not ombre in the traditional ombre when you think of something that goes from lighter to darker. But they're cute. They sound awful, I know. Leggings that are striping, and if I made them, I probably wouldn't make them striping because I don't think I'd want to make something that big in all that acrylic. But I'm continually fascinated by people who design pants or short garments because I've never made either of those things and I think it would be fun to try making them I don't know if I would actually ever wear them though (laughs) I think the same thing because I saw another joggers pattern Mm -hmm. that was really cute but I don't think I'd wear them I think they'd be too warm yeah I just don't know either but the let's see the ombre all day pants they on the model, they look like leggings. They're striped. They have a little gathered tie at the waist, and then they're fitted. And then the shorts, let's see if I can look up the shorts. The shorts are called ombre all day shorts. Basically, they look just like a shorter version of them. And like I said, in her designs through the years, she has done a lot of shorts so this isn't a new thing for her but I'm just continually fascinated by them I think that one of the first times I saw a legging type garment was in one of the Elizabeth Zimmerman books I think she had a recipe for a legging I can't remember she called I don't think they were called leggings. I can't remember what she called them. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. But she had a recipe for how to do those in one of her books. And I think that was the first time I saw it. And it's always kind of stuck in the back of my head that, oh, that would be an interesting thing to make. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd wear it, but it would be interesting. The only problem is that you have to have so much yarn to make it that it has to be a serious commitment piece so that's why I've never gone ahead and just made it just to make it (laughs) so oh well 
Those two patterns are by Lauren Riker, Ombre All Day Shorts, and I think the other one is just called Ombre All Day. And then the second thing I am stocking is another Empower People pattern. Now, if you recall, I think it was last episode when I mentioned the Empower People cowl designed by Casapinka. She had the purple cowl designed to start discussions around voting and hopefully discussions to increase voter awareness and get people to go out to register to vote and then subsequently also vote. So the Empower People bracelets is another free pattern available on Ravelry and probably the Empower People website as well. I didn't double check that, but I know that the three other patterns, Empower People patterns were available on the website. So I assume this one will be too. And this one is a beaded bracelet. They are so cute. They it's are. just little, little crochet chain with beads of your choice put in there. And it looks very, very simple. And they use sport weight yarn. It looks like you can probably use just about anything because one of the yarns that they recommend is 100% cotton. The other one is 100% wool. So two options. I have some beading cord that I Ooh. thought I would try because I also have beads and I really should do something with these beads and the beading cord. So, so that is Empower People Bracelets and that is designed by Diane Augustine. And then the third pattern that I thought I would share was one that was brought up in our Zoom meetup on Saturday. And this one is called Small Sausage Dog. <laughs> Chili! And it's exactly what you think. It's a tiny little dachshund, super tiny. The measurement says that he's 10 centimeters long. And this one is designed by Amanda Berry. And one of the fun rabbit holes that I fell down when I was looking at this pattern is the design work of Amanda Berry because she has a lot of free patterns on Ravelry, which are really fun. Um, she has vegetables, hearts, other animals. She has a teeny tiny penguin, avocado, and just a whole bunch of really cute things. And a lot of the vegetables have eyes on them. So it's very, very cute. Oh, two that I really liked. One of them was a cactus and it's a pin cushion. So you make your little cactus and then you put your pins to be the spines on the cactus. Oh, that's cute. I thought it was very cute. Yeah. Yeah. So that is patterns by Amanda Berry. And the one that I mentioned was Small Sausage Dog. Well, and that gives us a chance to plug the Saturday Zoom meetup too, because oh, yeah. <laughs> that's still going. We're going to go at least through the end of August. And I foresee this happening through the end of the year. I know. So, I do too. Yeah. Saturdays at one o'clock 
in the afternoon California time. And one of our regular attendees, Mary, has a little sausage dog named Chili. So that's why it came up during that call. And Mary's husband is the one who has been making these beautiful wooden yarn bowls as prizes for our knit-alongs. And he's making one for the Colors of Fall knit-along for a prize also. So super excited about that. He's incredibly talented. So that's a plug for our Saturday Zoom meetup. And the info for that is in our Ravelry group. And I also wanted to point out the Empower different patterns. There's also a new one by Nancy Marchant for a brioche empower oh, cool. cowl. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I saw that in Hot Right Now earlier this week. So if someone wants to do one in brioche, now there's a pattern for that also. Cool. And it's part of the same series. So sanctioned by Empower, not just a random yeah. one-off. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay. What else are you stalking, Gail? So my older daughter, Alex, who has Olivia, my granddaughter, she is a super duper planner, like the most planning out person I've ever met in my life. And she's already planning for baby number two. And she's planning all these things like I don't want to find out the gender, but I want someone in the family who I can trust not to tell me to know the gender so that I can have them buy the right gender newborn outfit to bring to the hospital already oh. wrapped so I can open it after the baby's born, blah, blah, blah. She's like intricate planner. So we've already been stocking blankets. No, she's not pregnant yet, but we've already <laughs> been stocking blankets. So we were on the phone. We did a Zoom the other day and I shared my screen with her and we looked through Ravelry together for over an hour and she picked out two blankets she really likes that are super pretty. The first one is the Twinkle Twinkle Blanket by Helen Stewart. And have you knit that, Charlene? No. Okay, but I think you've stocked it before. Possibly. I think we've talked about it. So I told Alex, I said, that's very exciting because Helen Stewart is a friend of ours and I would love to knit another of her designs. And this one is knit from the center outward and it has four triangles. So it's basically a rectangle square, but it looks like four triangles pieced together that you just knit from oh, the center yeah. out in the round. Okay. And it has an all over texture to it. And it has a really pretty eyelet border. And Alex and I had a big discussion about little tiny holes in baby blankets and how their fingers and toes can get stuck in the holes. But we decided that if it's just on the border, it was okay. But we eliminated lots of blankets because of the little holes in mm -hmm. them. But there yeah. were a lot that we loved but thought, oh, it's too many holes. <laughs> so Twinkle Twinkle Blanket by Helen Stewart. And it's a fingering weight blanket but of course you could knit it in any way you wanted and the second one is the lee blanket by kate oates and this was funny because i knit the sleep sack for olivia from a kate oates pattern and alex said that olivia never used it because that's before she thought it was okay to use the hand knits so she's planning to use it for baby number two because it's a purple and i think gray it's not super gender specific mm -hmm. so the Lee blanket is a two-stitch cable pattern throughout the main body of the blanket, and it's a rectangle, but it also has these really cool borders. Like, okay, so it's like, imagine three. The outside border is ribbed, then there's an inner border that's this really cool texture that I couldn't quite define from either the tags or the pictures, and then the center, most of the body of the blanket is this really cool two-stitch 
cable, so you don't need a cable needle. It's written for DK weight yarn, and if Alex's planning goes to the way she wants it to, then this will be a summer baby. So we were thinking of fingering weight blankets. I might alter that if I knit it and do it in fingering instead. So they're both really cute. They both have texture. They're both kind of a more sophisticated baby blanket, you might say. And they're both really pretty. So I may end up knitting both of them. We'll see. And she's already picked out her yarn also. We were... <laughs> Because what kind of yarn? Well, we were looking through all the finished objects, and she really wants to do a, a neutral blue, not like a super baby blue, but, yeah. you know, pretty blues. Yeah. So we looked at the Madeline Tosh website, and she really liked Wellwater, and she really liked Nocturne. So Nocturne wow. is a deep, deep navy that I've used before, and Wellwater is a more like gray ice blue, I would say, kind of yeah. color. And I've used that for a sweater, too. Yeah. So we'll see. But it was very funny. She just, she knows what she wants, which is great. And she's very upfront about saying, no, I don't like that one, which is great because I don't want to knit something that she doesn't like. So definitely, yeah, it was a very good planning ses session. <laughs> and then I've been super busy with work the last couple weeks. Super, you super sure busy. Have. Yeah, it's been crazy. We have a product launch coming early to mid August. So I'm going to be super busy until then. But I've had a little time other than with Alex to stock and I found a new to me designer and I have another designer crush. Uh -huh. So she is Jennifer Berg and I found her through Susan B. Anderson's Barrett Wool Company newsletter. Mm -hmm. She has a new kit for a beautiful hat and in her newsletter she talked about the designer who's Jennifer Berg and the hat, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, is called Shakiz and it's Navajo for my friend. And it's a very graphic, beautiful color work hat. And she said she was inspired by Acoma pottery. So imagine like the Indian style of pottery that's very graphic and bright colors and beautiful. And I think the hat was in black and white and yellow or black and white and orange. And it's beautiful. So of course, rabbit hole, I went on to Ravelry and looked at all of her patterns. And she has this whole series that there is a headband, there is a cowl, and there's a hat. All worsted weight in the same series. And they're beautiful. And then she had some other different headbands, different hats, different cowls. And another one that I really loved was called the Hope headband. And it's kind of like a turban. It's really cool. So the Shaki headband is a Mobius. It has a twist in it. And the Hope headband has like a knit ring that goes around the headband. So it has like a gather at one spot in the headband, which you'd probably wear in the center of your forehead. And it's really, really pretty. That one I think was orange and white with the, the and then that knit ring was black. Really beautiful work. So those went immediately into my favorites. And that again is Jennifer Berg. And those are the main things I've been stocking. And I just referred to Jennifer Berg as Indian, meaning American Indian. And I have a friend who is 100% Crow Indian. And he and I've asked him before, is it politically incorrect to refer to someone as an American Indian or Native American? And he said it's okay to use Indian. So I hope I didn't offend anybody when I said that. But she is Native American and from the Navajo tribe, 
I believe. So Jennifer Berg, there you go. Yeah, I just opened up the page and the designs are beautiful. Aren't they, they really gorgeous? Are. Yeah. They're so vividly graphic and poppy. They yeah. just like pop. They're gorgeous. I can't wait to knit that shiki hat. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Attention fiber artisans. Are you looking for ways that you can personally help the planet while working your craft? The Lolo Body Care Eco Bag is perfect for single craft projects. Made of 100% organic cotton and fair trade certified, the Eco Bag is respectful to both people and the planet. The main benefit of organic cotton is that it is not treated with pesticides, insecticides, herbicides, or GMOs. These toxins are harmful to farmers and workers consumers, and entire ecosystems. Lolo is passionate about the planet, so they've partnered with a great organization, One Tree Planted. Every time the Lolo Eco Bag is purchased, one tree gets planted. Learn more at lolobody.com. And those bags are super cute. They are very cute. And thank you to lolobody.com for sponsoring us for the month of August. Yes, thank you, Kismet. Yeah, they have the Lolo print or their little logo is kind of like a dandelion sort of with yeah. orange and it's just adorable. Yeah, it really bag. is. I yeah. like their updating when they changed their logo and they changed their whole look and mm -hmm. it's still the same owner and still the same wonderful products. Yep, so thank you, Kismet. All right, and what have you been knitting? Two things. I still have my Casapinka sweater look squirrel on the needles. I know I should be finished with this one. It's not that big of a sweater, but I stalled out on it because I have been knitting an as yet unnamed sweater for Elizabeth Doherty. This one is a cardigan and it's not quite to the test knitting stage yet, but I am helping to move things along. And this one is also knit in a linen yarn. So I'm having fun making another linen sweater for my summer wardrobe. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. And those are actually the only things I have been working on, believe it or not. Wow. I know. It, I Before I was casting on all the things and now I'm, I've been very focused for the past couple of weeks. But I do hope to have my look squirrel finished. Oh, soon. We'll just say soon. <laughs> yeah, and you're very close. So I, I am very have close. have lots to report next episode. Hopefully, yes. So you probably have some more exciting stories to tell about what you have been knitting. <laughs> All my cast-ons are new since the last Ooh, episode. Oh, see? Been, yeah. You, so, so here's all the excitement, people. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Today I'm the excitement provider. Okay, here we go. Hopefully it works. <laughs> so three new cast-ons since the last time we recorded. Susurus, I finally cast it on. It's the pattern by Hohi Locatelli. That is the cover project or pattern on the Pom Pom Quarterly magazine from spring, I think, of this year. It's the striped sweater that's striped with 
mohair silk lace, and then the stripe is fingering in a lace pattern. So the silk mohair lace is just stockinette, and then the fingering is a lace pattern. Mm -hmm. It's a circular yoke construction, top down, and the collar, you hold a fingering with your silk mohair lace so that it gives it the substance you need for a collar, and then you start on the patterning. And the lace repeat is very simple, easy to memorize, and I don't usually easily memorize a lace pattern, so if I memorize it, I think it's pretty darn <laughs> easy. And I separated for the sleeves last night, so the yoke is finished. It's beautiful. I am using Loft from Neighborhood Fiber Company for my silk mohair lace. It's a beautiful darker tonal gray. And for the fingering, I'm using Uncommon Threads Everyday Sock in Leaden, which is a gray leaning blue. It's a beautiful color. And these two colors together are just incredible. They're so, so pretty. So I'm very happy with how Sosaurus is turning out. It's kind of flying off the needles now. Circular yoke sweaters, especially in these smaller yarns, finer yarns, you have a lot of stitches on the needles. So when you separate for the sleeves, it goes zoom, 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 mm -hmm. at least for a while until you get used to that number of stitches on the needles. And then it's, you know, doesn't zoom as much. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like it's zooming when you first separate. It does. Yeah. So I'm really enjoying that pattern. I highly recommend it so far and just making me happy. And I cast on two smaller projects. So a few episodes ago, I was stocking the beret called Spruce and Lichen by Tiff Nealon. And I cast that on and it's a DK weight beret. And she has two different stitch counts, basically. Mm -hmm. So there's a slouchy version and then there's a regular fit version. Oh, and I'm okay. going for the regular fit. And it is, I don't remember if the pattern calls for mohair held doubled with something or if that's just what I did to get a DK. I don't remember at the moment. I don't remember either. Yeah, but I'm using the same combination I used on my Felix pullover. So it's Western Sky Knits. Silk Polworth DK held doubled with Kid Silk Haze Silk Mohair. So it's so it couldn't be a DK weight hat. Hold on a second. See, I'm going slightly insane lately. <laughs> I think we all are. I'm opening up the pattern here. Oh, that's what, okay. She calls for fingering weight held two strands of fingering weight. So you've got two strands of fingering held tripled oh. with lace weight mohair. Okay. So instead of holding two fingering weights together, I'm holding DK with the silk mohair. Oh, That's wow. what it was. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, obviously a very good stash buster if you want to get rid of some scraps of fingering because the overall yardage, it's 125 yards of each fingering weight for the closer fit and 140 yards for the slouchier fit. So that's kind of leftover quantities for mm -hmm. some of us, especially if you've knit a sweater and you have, you know, a good chunk of a skein leftover. So I already knew I would love the fabric because that's what I use for my Felix cardigan. And I do, I just love the fabric. It's almost giving me a heathered teal look and oh, it's just so pretty. So I'm about probably halfway at least through the hat and it's a very simple beret, almost all stockinette. And she had a really interesting way of doing the brim to get this rolled 
brim appearance that's just really pretty and simple and I'll probably have this finished in the next day or two. It's that simple. It's not just a stockinette in the round rolled brim? No, she has a slip stitch that uh, she uses oh, to alternate the stockinette so that it, it pulls in more, I think. Oh. And oh, you can't really okay. see it because it rolls up. So yeah. you don't see yeah. the slip stitch very much. But yeah, I really like the effect. And then she uses eyelets to do the increases. So it gives it a little bit of a different look cool. than just straight up yeah. stocking it. Yeah. yeah, I'm super excited by it with it from it. See, there's the excitement for the day. <laughs> And then I have a third cast on, so I'm going to try to pronounce this word, Asasukanaki. And it's a cowl pattern by Candace English of the Farmer's Daughter's Fibers. She's a yarn dyer, and she also does some pattern designs. And she has a nonprofit organization called Sisters United, and it is an organization to bring awareness to Native American women who go missing. So this is a very, very, very big problem in the Native American communities and First Nations in Canada. Many women go missing and it's a, it, she's trying to bring awareness to this and try to get people mm -hmm. to help, you know, find these women and support the efforts to find them, etc. So the cowl itself, all proceeds from the sale of the pattern go to Sisters United, which is cool. And the cowl is really beautiful. It has one main color and then the contrast color. She used spin cycle. Which one is it? The base is called. Oh, sorry, I forgot to write it down. It's the, the sport weight spin cycle, which is dyed in the wool. So they have these like gradient colorways that spin cycle is famous for. If you haven't heard of them, it's a very well known in America indie dyer company. Uh, at least two women who work together, I think there might be three, to make these really cool yarns that are kind of barber pulled and they're very unique. So no two cows would ever be exactly alike. That's and true. she used yeah, they're they each of them would be unique. The and yarns are kind of like hand spun yarn. Yes. That's what it has the look of hand spun to me. Yes. So in the same way that probably no two hand spun skeins are ever going to look the same. That's exactly. That's, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And speaking of hand spun, I'm using the hand spun you gave me a few years ago as a gift. The oh, pink. Cool. Yeah. Save the tatas. Yeah. So the one that Candace knit, I think she sold kits for it too. I think they're sold out, but super pretty contrast with this gradient type of hand spun looking yarn. So I'm using the pink that Charlene spun for me is kind of a gradient too and it's hand spun you have that beautiful barber pole yeah, unique nice. look to it and the other yarn I'm using is my leftover Tracy 2 which is a sport oh, weight I remember that yeah it's from Imperial Stock Ranch and it's a hundred percent American wool and I can't remember the breed right now but it was the never-ending sweater quantity. I knit a tunic and then I knit a shawl <laughs> and I still have a considerable amount of this left over. I'm going to have to weigh it though. I'm having the sneaking suspicion that I'm not going to have enough for the cowl. So I'm going to double check. But it starts with ribbing in the contrast color and then the body of the cowl is knit with the gradient slash hand spun slash contrast color with the main color as a slip stitch column in it. So it's just a really pretty 
simple design. And she said that this word in Blackfoot means healer and that this is the type of design she likes for healing when she needs just a relaxing healing type of knit. So I imagine it's going to be a very simple knit as well. I haven't made it far past the actual ribbing of the border, but, and here's my beautiful yarn <laughs> that Charlene spun for me. I just pulled out, we're FaceTiming today. So it's just a gorgeous, all the beautiful pinks, all in one lovely hand hand spun skein for my bestie. So I'm very cool. happy about that one. And again, that's Asukanaki by Candice English. And that's what I've been doing. All right. And what about finishes? I have no finishes this week. So once again, Gail, you'll have to add all the excitement. <laughs> <laughs> and I do have a finish. I have a big finish. My super simple summer sweater, another pattern by Hohi Locatelli, is finished and I love it. This one I knit with a slub fingering held doubled with a sport weight from Quince and Company, their chickadee. So it has this really cool texture with these slubs of bright colors. And uh, I have some work in progress pictures on Ravelry, but I have to block it still. So in the ends, and then I'll take, someday I'll take finished object pictures because I think I have five sweaters that need finished object pictures. I know. Pictures. We, we really need to figure out a way to do finished object photos. So You know, we could get together and do that. And we oh, don't I have think to we, get close yeah, to each other. I think we can yeah. totally do that. We just need to make the plan. <laughs> yeah. We should totally do that. Schedule yeah. a boba yeah. slash yeah. picture taking Let's session. They're all stacked nicely on my nightstand. I just have waiting a pile too. Exactly. Yeah. So we so, just need to find a sweater. place to do it. Yes. Yeah, that, well, yeah, let's think about that. Okay. Maybe this weekend. Yeah. So just the second time I've knit it. I love it. It's a great pattern. I thought initially it was going to be way too big. I did rip back part of the increases for the yoke. It's a top-down circular yoke sweater. But I decided once I got to the body that it's a little bigger than my other one, but I'm okay with that because it's more kind of a knock around sweatshirt type mm -hmm. of design for me. So it's perfect for what I want it to be. So super duper happy with it. I've seen photos of it and it's gorgeous. It's so much fun. <laughs> it's just so different than yeah. anything else that the we usually The little knit. slubs are very, very cool. And I have a question. Are you going to go through with a crochet hook and pull all the slubs through to the public side of the garment? So what I did as I was knitting is the bright colored slubs I was pushing to the front oh, as okay. I was knitting. Okay. So That's I am going to go check. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go see the, because there are a lot of slubs that are more, they're lighter in yeah. color, so they yeah. kind of blend much more with the contrast yarn. And I'm just going to leave those to the back. But the bright ones, I want that pop on the forward, for, you know, the public facing side. Interesting. I wonder yeah. how you can change the look of it by pulling the different slubs through. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you could make it, you know, more colorful, less colorful. Yeah, interesting. Course, I never thought of that. The way you blend the yarns, it's just like blending silk mohair right, with a second color. Right. So you could fun. have so many different effects. Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah. Well, when you Super did cool. your swatches, we saw 
the different effects yeah. when you try to dark yarn versus a light yarn, the pairing. Yep. So it was very cool. Yeah, I tried three different contrasting colors before I settled on one. Yeah, basically so, yeah, you tried a dark, effect. a mm -hmm. bright, or it wasn't that bright, but it was kind of well, like a neutral and then a really yeah. light one. Exactly. Yeah, so yep. very cool. And I can totally see using the gray that I tried with a different slub mm -hmm. would be beautiful, but it just yeah. wasn't perfect for this yeah. one. And it wasn't what no. you pictured in your head. Exactly. That was the thing right there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key. Yep. I understand. <laughs> All right. And so today we were going to do a little chat about the little stitch marker. The humble stitch marker. The humble stitch yes. Marker. <laughs> I put one of my first comments was it's knitting jewelry. Yes, accessories for exactly. your knitting. Exactly. And <laughs> so many times that's what they end up being because how many of us have really a wardrobe of stitch markers? Yes. I mean there are so many kinds of stitch markers. We might as well jump right into it. There are the closed ring stitched markers and there are stitch markers that open and there are stitch markers that are made of metal there are stitch markers that are made of plastic jewelry wire i've seen little rubber ones mm -hmm. people make them out of string all sorts of different yeah, materials all kinds yeah. of materials it's one of those things that's just fun they can be made out of just about anything and people keep collecting them and trading them at stitches there or stitches and other events people do stitch marker trades i i think some dyers give them away so people have them made with their logos their pets all kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. The second note I have is stash, hoard, collect, gift. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And <laughs> they're quite fun. a stash of stitch markers. Yeah, yes, they are fun. so much fun. And they, for me, they definitely bring joy to my knitting because when mm -hmm. I have a fun stitch marker, I smile when I come yes. to it. So <laughs> Exactly. We recently... One of my favorite stitch marker makers is A Needle Runs Through It. Mm -hmm. You can find her on Etsy. And she makes these beautiful stitch markers, some of which are wood. And I got Charlene and myself a matching set of boba stitch markers. Boba so, stitch markers. Oh, oh They're adorable. <laughs> they really and are. And seriously, every time I come to the beginning of the round, I smile when I move my boba stitch yeah. marker from one needle to the other. Yeah. And I have a set of unicorns from her that I love and there are some naughty word ones <laughs> that are just hysterical i just stitch markers just make my knitting so much more fun. yeah definitely yeah. definitely and i have a set of of little bell ones oh, yeah. that tinkle so i know i can't use those when i'm podcasting and they drive mike crazy so when i'm in a kind of snarky mood <laughs> And I want to irritate him. I use one of those at night when we're watching television. Well, and my cats both wear bells. And depending on the, the type of bell that they have on their collar at any given time, because different collars, the bells will sound different. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, 
they have a collar that sounds like my bell stitch markers. Uh, and if I happen to be using the bell stitch markers on my knitting and I pick up my knitting, both cats' heads will pop up and they'll be I'll looking bet. around for each other because they think they hear the other cat coming in. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> it well, is really cute. Boo and Poe looking for yes, each other around exactly. the house. Exactly. Exactly. And we actually, the, the idea for this topic came up for a good reason. We were talking about doing lace repeats and different things where you're counting your stitches and sometimes your stitch marker moves and thus messes up your stitch That's count. That's right. That was the so whole that reason. That was the genesis yes, of the... because somebody had mentioned in our Ravelry group chat that their stitch markers move. And I said, yes, that's a thing. Sometimes mm -hmm. your stitch markers move between stitches in a way that you don't want them to. Right. And we thought we'd talk a little bit about just some stitch marker tips. And one of the ones that I want to mention is if you do have that problem and if you're knitting lace and especially if your stitch markers are next to a yarn over that's when they definitely have the mm -hmm. propensity to move and one way to minimize that is by using for me i prefer in that situation to use a closed ring marker just a little circle circle of metal or plastic but the tip is i use as small of a stitch marker as possible use the smallest one that's closest to the needle size and i find that that seems to minimize the movement with lace it won't always stop it but it does seem to minimize if the stitch marker is more fitted than for example a size 10 stitch marker on a size four needle, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's another thing I learned by trial and error is mm -hmm. that stitch markers come in various circumferences or diameters. I'm not yeah. sure which word is right, but different sizes. Different so sizes. You, there you go. <laughs> yeah. If you're knitting primarily with smaller needles, you probably want smaller stitch markers mm -hmm. versus bigger needles, bigger stitch markers. And I've in the, when I first started knitting, I didn't really either know the difference or plan for that when I was buying them. So you sometimes will get this massive stitch marker on your little needles, and it can sometimes distort your stitches. So yeah. kind of planning having a stitch marker that's closer to your needle size is usually a better strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can choose... Sometimes you, you just have to choose which kind you want to use, whether you need a removable stitch marker or whether you can use the closed ring stitch markers. And I find the closed ring stitch markers are better to use when, for example, if your stitch marker is going to travel with your knitting for a while, if you just want something small and unobtrusive and you're starting to knit on the body of a sweater, for example, and you're going to be going either around and around for many, many inches or back and forth for many, many inches, I often like to, in that case, use the small closed markers just because I feel like I can shuttle them from one needle to the other very quickly and mm -hmm. it doesn't intrude in any way on my knitting. I can just keep going, keep going, keep yeah. going. 
So something unobtrusive, use the small closed ring if that's what you, if, if you are looking for something unobtrusive. And there are also so different reasons to use stitch markers. That unobtrusive one, sometimes you want one that's a little more noticeable mm -hmm. for your beginning of the round, for yes. example, if you're yes. knitting in the round. So you might have that special unicorn stitch marker <laughs> for your beginning of the round and then yes. the smaller metal ones in to mark, for example, your increased sections or whatever other things are happening in your knitting. You can use them to separate lace repeats. You can use them if you're counting big sections of stitches. So we had this conversation in our Zoom mm -hmm. call last week too. When you're counting 300 stitches, <laughs> you might want to use, in this case, a removable stitch marker every 50 stitches mm -hmm. or so, so that you don't have to recount from zero when you lose count. Because inevitably, if I'm counting a large number of stitches, I'm going to get distracted before I make it to 300 and then have to count from the beginning. Right, right. So different reasons that stitch markers are super helpful. And the removable ones, Charlene and I both had this comment when we made our notes for this episode. If you're doing things like decreases or increases, so for example, when I'm doing an A-line increase for a sweater, especially if it's not called for in the pattern and I'm just doing it on my own, I will mark my increases with the removable stitch marker so that I can see exactly where they are instead of having to try to find them later. So very helpful to have that visual cue with the removable stitch marker. Same with like decreases on a sleeve. You're doing your decreases and you want to see where they are easily. Just pop a removable stitch marker on that decrease stitch so that you can easily just eyeball it and see. Yeah, and sometimes I will use... I think you touched briefly on this, different markers for different things uh, mm -hmm. or to note different sections of a sweater. For example, if I'm increasing on a raglan, I might have plain ring stitch markers to mark my where my raglan increases will go. So I will have the four rings and then maybe I'll have a fancier or bigger or different colored stitch marker to mark my beginning of round. And if I need to mark perhaps the beginning or end of a ribbing section or a lace section, I might have a different marker to use for that or a different mm -hmm. one to mark the sides, that kind of thing. Or if I need to know where the true center is. So sometimes I'll even jot it down on my pattern, like which stitch marker notes what item that I'm marking with it, yeah. that kind of thing. Like the Clio sweater, for example, by Elizabeth mm. Doherty mm -hmm. that we've both knit that had a lot of different stitch patterns in it that were maybe, you know, 16 stitches for one stitch pattern and then 10 stitches for another stitch pattern and then 50 for the center, for example. I was using different colored stitch markers for each of those sections and noted it down mm -hmm. on my pattern. So I knew, okay, you get to the purple stitch marker and it's this stitch pattern. Mm -hmm. You get to the pink one and it's this stitch pattern, for example. So they can be great visual cues yeah. to help you yeah. through your pattern. And you also mentioned having them, for example, to mark decreases or increases mm -hmm. on a sleeve. I love taking the removable ones. I like those little safety pin ones. They look like little safety pins. The coilless but they, ones. Yeah, yeah, but they have a bulb on the end. They seem to be have gotten more popular in the last couple of years. I put those often on on the first sleeve that I'm doing 
well, I ultimately I do it on both sleeves, but I'll put them on my decreases. And then as I'm decreasing on the second sleeve, very quickly and easily, I can hold the sleeves up together to see that, oh yes, I'm doing my decreases in the right place. My mm -hmm. two sleeves will look the same. <laughs> yep. For so sure. I like using that. And I also like the removable ones. Those are my preferred stitch markers for crocheting. If I need to mark the beginning of a round or whatever on crochet, because you don't have a lot of stitches generally right. for crochet. So you just mark, can pin that on very easily wherever you need to mark. Yeah, there's no needle for a not removable one to rest on. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And there are also progress keepers, which a lot of people oh, use. Yes. I've never been a progress keeper I, user. I but haven't no. either, but I know a lot of people do like them. So. Yeah, so removable removable stitch markers yes. <laughs> are great for progress keepers as well. So if you want to mark, like today I knit this many inches or whatever, you can put a stitch marker or removable stitch marker progress keeper there and then knit the next day and see how much progress you've made yeah. is basically the idea for those. And we were talking about the different things you can use for stitch markers. Yes. You had a great list. If you're desperate and you don't have your little notions kit with you. Yeah, you can. One of my favorites to tell people is to take a plastic straw. You're sitting in a cafe and you discover you don't have any stitch markers. Take a plastic straw and cut that up into little discs and use that. <laughs> also, a good, also a good way to recycle those straws instead mm -hmm. of throwing them away because apparently there are too many straws in the world right now. So, yeah. <laughs> but you can also use a little loop of yarn or a, a regular safety pin as well. Although or paper clip, paper clip, yeah. Yeah, and someone on the Zoom call last week said they used an earring once oh, that's as a right. stitch marker yes. when they were desperate. I was like, that's yeah. a brilliant idea. You got a hoop in your ear? Yeah. That'll work <laughs> as a stitch marker. Heck yeah. Definitely. So, and I was going to say one warning, and this was fresh in my mind because I saw my parents this weekend, and my mother had done this on the shawl she was knitting. Don't accidentally knit your stitch marker into your project. Oh, yeah. I've done this. My mom did it. It's just a thing. Sometimes you accidentally Sometimes knit you it into do your project. Do yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, great. Now I have to cut that out. Right. And there goes that stitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a bummer sometimes. It is. Because if you've used a metal one, you probably have to go find a pair of wire cutters to do mm -hmm. it. And yeah, bye-bye stitch marker. But Exactly. And hopefully it's not one of your favorites. Right. <laughs> yep. If it is, save the charm and re redo exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> Repurpose it somehow. Yes, exactly. So if anyone else has other comments about stitch markers that we haven't thought of, please pop them into the episode thread for this episode. And I did want to mention a couple of Black Lives Matter resources that I've discovered since the last episode. Excellent. So I've mentioned Rachel Cargill before. She is on Instagram and she is also the great unlearn on Instagram. And I'm a member of her Patreon group and she is doing something called Do the Work. And she basically sends a PDF with links for 30 days. And it's similar to Me and White Supremacy by Leila Saeed, which she 
had a very similar series of prompts to get people to think about their privilege. It's very similar to that, but different prompts. And she also has links to videos and watch this video today and think about it. And the first one that she did was very funny. It was a woman who is basically in four minutes, I think it was very short, saying, if you want to be an ally, this is how you should be a good ally. It was entertaining. It was informative. It was educational. So I highly recommend the Rachel Cargill Do the Work series. And I found a new fiction writer who is great, Tiffany D. Jackson. I highly recommend her books. I've already listened to two and I have the third one isn't released yet that I want to read. And then I have another one on reserve from the library that's like six weeks out or something. So Tiffany D. Jackson, highly recommend her. And I finally got a book that I had had on reserve from the library for a long time. So I haven't started reading it yet, but the title is The Sun Does Shine, How I Found Life and Freedom on Death Row. And it's by Anthony Ray Hinton. And if you've read the book Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson or seen the movie, Brian Stevenson from the Equal Justice Initiative helped this man get out of prison on death row after 27 years that he was on death row. So this is a book I've been waiting to read. I'm really looking forward to it. And by the next episode, I'll have some feedback on that. So some really good books out there and podcasts and everything else. (laughs) All right. So I think that's it. I think that is it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening. Hope that your crafting is bringing you joy and peace right now. And happy happy knitting, knitting. everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find our podcast on iTunes at Yarniax Podcast. Visit our blog with show notes at yarniax.com. We have a friendly and engaging Yarniax podcast Ravelry group. My Ravelry name is Knitter Ninja Shar. Gail's is Gaily Whaley. You can follow us on Twitter at Yarniacs or on Instagram at Yarniac and at Gaily Whaley.